This is the second recording of this podcast in the same number of days. No, seriously, my wife and daughters have gone on a road trip without me, which gives me the freedom to record the pontifications that only Long Funk provides in a slightly more leisurely format, one might hope. I recorded this podcast about 30 minutes ago, and something caught me really strongly, which almost made me want to stop the podcast, or at least not put out the podcast in the form that it was in initially. It required a second recording for two reasons. I realised when I looked through my podcasting statistics that the Biota podcast still has an audience, or the post-Biota podcast, or whatever this thing is called now. I used to make a joke about my time in the Bay Area, which was, I'm really looking forward to three things, improving three things while I'm in the Bay Area. The first is associated with fixing the pause button of my career. The second is associated with working more closely with Bruce Damer. And the third is associated with exploring the game stores that only the Bay Area offers. And the conclusion to the joke is the Bay Area game stores did not disappoint. So when I put out the request yesterday to half a dozen folks who had pre- previously appeared on the Biota podcasts, my general feeling was that uh, somewhat to and froing with regards to what Bruce Damon might offer. I'm pretty sure he would be one of the respondents, and it turns out he was. Jeffrey Ventrella was the other respondent. My hope is to record a podcast with him in about a month's time, and I'll record one with Bruce Damer. But I am hesitant to enter into a format of nothing but post-biota associated with the recording. Bruce, when he corresponds with me, doesn't really acknowledge what happened to biota, and... I'm pretty well post-Biota. I think that's probably a point that I'll have to make to Bruce, and we just have to explore the discussion accordingly. A whole lot of additional stuff has gone on since I was a podcaster associated with Biota, and my view is that the hands of time do not move backwards, unfortunately. They only move forwards, as I'm thoroughly reminded of with my daughters on a periodic yet frequent basis. So I think it's important to actually probably set some ground rules, which might be difficult, because my discussions with Bruce, even when I used to meet up with Bruce. Our friendship was very much prefaced on Bruce giving these long, never-ending stories associated with what he was doing and what was happening and what was going on and how we had connections to all these people who we did have connections with at one stage, but they've gone on to do their own thing and we've gone on to do our own thing. And my own thing involves two very wonderful little nearly two-year-olds. So yeah, I don't know how the whole thing is going to be framed, but um a certain degree of interpretation. Let's just move into it with that preface. And I've already not really outlined to Bruce. I've already given Bruce an indication that we can discuss certain topics when we talk next. We don't have a date set. We will eventually, I'm sure. And I'm very much looking forward to having a conversation with Bruce. I might even start with that joke, maybe. You see, this is why my wife normally has to vet the jokes before I actually tell them a podcast. The second podcast topic I wanted to raise is a juxtaposition, which... When I announced it first in this podcast recording recorded prior, when I first announced it, no, when I explored it in the podcast previously, I realized that there was deep institutional racism, which I realize now explicitly through this book, and I'm going to have to discard. The book is called Anzac Soldier versus Ottoman Soldier, and it is the first time I've ever seen an account of the Ottoman Turks as being... In parallel, like literally a similar cut from similar cloth to the Anzac soldier, it really spun me on my head. I've been out of Australia for many years now, probably longer than I've actually been in Australia when I come to calculate it. And my understanding of the Anzac myth is very much prefaced on what I knew prior to leaving Australia and what I found out after I left Australia about the Anzac myth. 
and the fact that Winston Churchill was responsible for the Dardanelles. And that, in and of itself, it seems to be inextricable with all the positive, you know, Winston Churchill, rah, 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 related stuff. And I realised why I probably wasn't taught it when I was in Australia, because it doesn't reconcile very well with Winston Churchill's later years. The fact that he used Australians as cannon fodder. And really my sense with regards to the Anzac myth is very much that it's about how Australians were used as cannon fodder. And it continues on to this day. I don't know what the Anzac myth is like in Australia. All I know is that April 26th, which is Anzac Day, is coming up. Maybe one of my Australian listeners could drop me some correspondence associated with their thoughts on the Anzac myth. But putting the Ottoman soldier right next to the Anzac soldier and taking a series of photographs of Ottomans and Anzacs lined up going to war, all the things, the intrepidation that led to both groups made me realise that my time in Australia had never been associated with the Ottoman being in any way like the Anzac. That just wasn't part of the war narrative that we were given as children, we was given as children. So I'm going to put that out there, that this book has made me realise that institutional racism was alive and well, and it needs to be flushed out. And I think this book has done that in a very strange account for an Osprey book. Anyway, Tom Barbalay in Las Vegas, Nevada, signing out.